Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fits Waters Coaching Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor. You're listening to How May I Serve You, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, How May I Serve You? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guest today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Andrew Poles. Andrew, how you doing? I'm great, Thomas. It's great to be with you today. Awesome. Likewise, man. So Andrew Poles is a professional coach and former forum leader for Landmark Worldwide, a top global training and development company. Andrew has coached over 10,000 people in performance, relationships, and communication. He has managed multi-million dollar businesses, consulted for multinational corporations, and started several successful coaching practices. Andrew, let's go. Let's Thank go. you, Thomas. It's so interesting hearing yourself introduced by somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, Andrew, listen, we're going to dive right into your lifestyle, okay? Because I want the audience to get to know a little more about you, okay? So Great. tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, how you got started into coaching. Uh, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, and I live in Austin, Texas now. Okay. And how I got into coaching was I always, Thomas, I had a desire to do something that made a difference. And I went to school to study philosophy, and I went to the PhD program in philosophy, intending to be a philosophy professor who would publish and teach but ultimately, I was disillusioned with that approach because I didn't meet any philosophers who really changed my life. And so in 2001, I took a seminar from a large global coaching company that did professional and personal development. And I was so impacted by the way they delivered their seminars mm -hmm. that although the information was very similar to what I had learned, the delivery was so different that it made an impact. I said, that's what I want to do. And from that moment on, I just started studying how to be that kind of a leader and a coach. And I've been coaching ever since, so about 18 years now. 18 years strong. Woo, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. Right there. So, um, so you mentioned, so I want you to um, go back again and tell us where you're from. Okay. One more time. Yeah. So I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. That's Phoenix, where I grew Arizona. up. Yeah. Okay. And I've lived in Austin, Texas now for the last 27 years. Okay. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. All right. So why did you get into coaching in the first place? Well, I've always had a desire to make a difference for people. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really turns me on is when other people discover their natural ability to be themselves and be self-expressed at the same time, they're making a difference or making an impact in the world. So my favorite thing is to work with someone to discover the power that they have okay. to make an impact in the world. And that's what turns me on as a, as a professional and as a person. Awesome. Awesome. So who do you coach primarily? Do you coach just anyone? Do you coach just women, just executives? Who do you coach? Well, I have two businesses, as you mentioned in my introduction. And in um, one of my businesses, I work with entrepreneurs. Got it. And I like to work with entrepreneurs who are out to make some kind of a, a social impact. And I generally do executive coaching with them and also sales training. Mm -hmm. And then I have a partner, a business partner in a company called Impact Speaking Lab, and we do business to business trainings. So we work with teams, sales teams, executive teams, leadership teams, and people who present on behalf of their companies to train them in being influential in their conversations. 
Okay, okay, all right. So um, I've heard you mention Impact a few times. So why Impact? Why, why are you so um, connected to companies and people who are involved in Impact? What does Impact mean, mean to you, though? So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I think what makes a difference is when anybody gets a new way to see the world that allows them to take different actions that produces new results in their life. So whether that person's an individual dealing with their individual life or whether that is a group of people in a company and that company's up to something, at the end of the day, how anyone has impact or influence mm -hmm. is they have to alter the way someone else sees the world and sees themselves in the world, which naturally leads them to take different actions. And I think that that kind of relationship between people is very healing and very nurturing and empowering. So what I'm after is training people on how to connect with themselves and what they're up to and how to connect with others and what they're up to in a way that their conversations lead to those kinds of shifts. Mm -hmm. People see and the way people act in the world. So you can sit back and you can look, I had a conversation with this person or I provided a product or a service for this person and then they went out into the world and they did these things and this altered. You know, like Thomas, if we look at you, Look at the kind of impact you're making in the world globally through the work you're doing. 50,000 people every year. And there have been people along the way in your life who have contributed to the way you see life now that that's what you're all about. So those people can sit back and say, you know, that's so cool that I got to know Thomas and contribute something to him that allowed him to create this incredible business. And that's what I find fulfilling is people like you and empowering people like you to go out and make a difference. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones, all things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T. Com and schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. Got it, got it. That's amazing right there. Because um, when it comes to impact, you know, I, I tend to find myself being um, driven to connect with people who are impact-minded, right? Mm -hmm. um, hence, our, hence uh, you being here right now, and hence... Um, how you and I were connected, right? Um, so I'm glad I'm glad you have that approach. I'm glad you you really try to work with people that have that type of mindset. And I mean, with we all should contribute towards helping each other, right? Towards trying to make an impact because the more impact we make as a collective, the more we could um, help move um, just move this nation forward. You know, so yeah. um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you really pushing towards that direction. So. Um, I know you, you mentioned, okay, so prior to us hopping on this, you know, um, this podcast interview, we, we had a discovery call, you know, yeah, and a little yeah. bit more about you. 
Right? Yeah. I learned about I learned about the fact that you have a daughter. You are you are a single single gentleman uh, raising a daughter. So let's, let's let's get a little deeper, man. Let's get a little deeper. So how has being a father helped you to become a coach? Help you be better as a coach? Well, oh yeah, this is a great question. So, <laughs> so in case my you know just to make it clear for everyone, in case my daughter's watching this, you know she's now twenty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's fully grown up and engaged and, you know, off adulting, as they say, she's full on adulting now. Yeah. Um, but I think the way that being a father helped me be a better coach was um, I would I would share with my daughter uh, very vulnerably about what I was up to and dealing with in life. So, mm-hmm. for example, when I had a failure in my job or my career, I would share that with her and. <clears throat> I would say, you know, I got really scared and I lied to someone at work saying, now I've got to go back and clean it up, but I'm so embarrassed and I'm, I don't know what I should do. What do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. And I would ask my daughter for her advice, for her coaching, because mm-hmm. I wanted her to get a sense that even though she might be short compared to adults, you know, she's, she's, she's a full person in a little person's body. And I think that a lot of people relate to children, like because they're smaller, because their brains aren't fully developed yet, that they don't have value to provide to adults. And I think that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. And so I like to give my daughter lots of opportunities to contribute to me. And she would give me her coaching and I would take it. I would do what she said a lot of the time. And I come back and tell her how it went. <laughs> I wouldn't take it if I knew it was bad, but it uh-huh. was generally good. And so I would tell her. And so she got a sense she could contribute. Um, you know, that helped me understand that the best way to coach people is to have them discover their power, their own power, their own brilliance, rather than me giving them something that they feel like they got from me. I wanted to guide them to their own brilliance mm. so that they could go away from that conversation being bigger and more capable, not reliant on me. And I think that's one of the big ways it shaped me as a coach. There you go. There you go. You know, I, I love the fact that despite your daughter being younger than you, being being um a child, like most, most parents and adults tend to overlook kids you know um mm. they tend to push them push them aside not value their opinion and you did the exact opposite you brought her into the conversation and show her that she mattered right yeah and just by doing that you you were actually you know you was actually giving her some great great not only coaching because you you, bas- you basically provided her the platform to let her know that she mattered and yeah for kids that's important you know yeah and Advice, you know, could come from anyone, right? You can yeah. learn from any person. And, yeah. kids, and kids are innocent. So when they do give you advice, it's authentic. <laughs> it's extremely authentic. It's not biased. Yeah. You know? And, you, and, you know, they're, they're so much more insightful than parent, most parents give them credit for. So when I'm coaching parents, uh, you know, many of my clients happen to be parents. Uh, I don't have a parent coaching business, but when I coach someone, I coach the whole person. So it's very frequent that their issues with their spouse or their children will come up as we're working on, you know, their leadership at work. And so one of the things that I always work with people on is that parents believe they can hide things from their children. So if they're unhappy in their job, Mm -hmm. they believe they can hide that from their children. Or if they're unhappy in their relationship, they believe that they can stick it out to the parents, the kids leave, you know, school, college, whatever, and then they get divorced because their 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 kids won't know, and then they'll be old enough to deal with it. But that's actually not true. Mm. Children are unbelievably perceptive. Mm. Their brains are like an enormous sponge. 
And they can tell the difference between someone who's happy and someone who's not. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, I had, I, I challenge my clients to really confront what is the legacy they're leaving for their kids. So are you teaching them how to pretend to be happy while you sacrifice for some notion of marriage that you think is going to be better for your kids? Or are you really being, are you really dealing with it? Are you and your spouse really dealing with, you know, we're not happy. So we either got to get happy in this marriage for the sake, not just of ourselves, but for our kids or do what we need to do to be happy, which might mean not being married. I don't know, but you got to deal with it because otherwise you're just lying to yourself that your kids aren't being affected. They're going to go into relationships just like the one they saw you have. Exactly. And so that usually kind of wakes people up, you know, to confronting what they need to confront to take charge of their life and be the kind of human being they would want to see their kids grow up and be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think parenting is one of the, one of the most rich fields in which we grow as human beings. If you really take it on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, I know you've coached over 10,000 people, which is amazing. Yeah. So what's your coaching style like, you know, what methods have you been um, putting your your um, your say clientele through? Yeah, um, well, you sharing that with us. No, 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 I don't mind at all. In fact, you know, it's always developing. Um, so my 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 deep deep background and where I started was in um, a discipline called ontology, and ontology okay. is about the study of being. So mm-hmm. a lot of coaching is about performance and doing and action and producing results, which is great. And there's who you and I are being in life that drives those actions. You know, am I being compassionate? Am I being afraid? Am I being inauthentic? Am I being honest? So my original background in training and coaching was in the field of ontology. Okay. And then as I've grown as a coach, what I found is that neuroscience and understanding the brain is like the tide that raises all ships. Yes, indeed. I, I get to work with lots of different kinds of professionals, Thomas. Some of my clients are data scientists who work for big tech companies. Mm-hmm. Others are leaders in you know, I don't know, uh, I have a client who is the CEO of, a, of a, an emerging, um, like a finance software product in the biotech space. So I've got lots of different kinds of clients, yeah. but all of them can get the power of understanding the way their brain works and how it drives, how they feel and how they think and how they act. Mm-hmm. So I've begun to kind of merge or direct all of my ideas and distinctions through that filter of neuroscience because people can get just like they're not their fingernails growing. Like it's got nothing to do with you, Thomas, if your fingernails grow, mm. you also get there's a lot going on in your brain that has nothing to do with you. Mm. And when you can really get that, when you can really get, oh, you mean when I feel that fear and my armpits start sweating and I can't think clearly before I go give a presentation, that's not me getting afraid. You're saying that's my brain doing something to me. Yes, that's your brain. Just like your fingernails growing, people are like, wow, all this time I thought I was a chicken or a cat or whatever. And then they start to get power with Mm -hmm. taking back control of how they want to be and interact, even when their brain's doing what it's doing. So I've really started going deep into a study of neuroscience to undergird or really prop up the ideas I've always been coaching people in. There you go. It's it's funny. So as, as you're sharing that with me, I'm going back on my moments where I used to, um, cause I used to have a big phobia of public speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, used to, I used to get so terrified where I used to, I would freeze up. Yeah. Right? My heart would start palpitating 
and I'll just get so nervous. And when I get, yeah. when I, I would, I would think of all the negative things that might happen if I mess up. Right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the more I thought of those scenarios, the worse it would become. And when I, once I realized and understood that I'm just in the fight or flight mode, I could control this this feeling myself by controlling my current state, my breathing patterns. Right. Yes. I was yeah. able to offset that. I was I was still a bit nervous, but I was not yes. as terrified. Yeah. Right? And once I got on that stage, things went according to plan. And I felt great. So yes. sometimes we psych ourselves out because we overthink things. Yeah. Right? We overthink things. So if one of your clients were going through the same thing, how would yes. you walk them through? How would you walk them through this um this experience? So what, what we do is first we get them aware of what you just said, which is that there's a part of the brain and it's in the limbic system of the brain called the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And it's responsible, as you said, for what many people call the fight or flight response. It's technically called the stress response. Stress response. Yeah. And it's designed to keep us alive. You know, when you're being attacked really and your life is in danger, that system kicks into gear to mobilize all of your energy to your muscles, your hands, your shoulders, so you can fight or flee so you can literally protect your life. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that the brain doesn't know the difference between a real physical threat like a bear mm -hmm. or like a group of people staring at you when you're up at a podium. To your brain, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. And so the same system fires off, which is completely inappropriate to what's happening. So as people can understand that that system is there to protect them and it's a good thing to have, but that it fires off at inappropriate times, they can start to be aware of the feelings and the thoughts, the physical sensations that they have when it fires off. And then they can start to get a, which we walk them through a process of getting, okay, this is just a brain mechanism firing off. What are all the things that I just said to myself, like you just said, Thomas, that I've now made up about what's happening right now that aren't true? Because what's happening right now, I'm standing here, there's people there, there's a podium, there's no cards. That's all that's happening. There's nothing threatening there. Everything mm -hmm. that's threatening, I'm making up about what's happening. So we walk people through a process to be able to pull those apart so that then they can put their attention on what gives them power, which is actually not how they're doing, mm. but how the people in the audience are doing. Mm. You're a speaker. You're speaking because the people who are there need or want something that they don't have. Mm -hmm. that you can support them in getting. So the whole purpose of you being there is them. Now, when you get your attention off of how you're doing and onto how they're doing, when your brain gets what's important is how they're doing, your brain starts organizing around them. And then you start to uncover natural abilities that you have to be a very effective speaker. So that's how we walk our clients through that. I love it. I love it, right? It's, it's great. It's funny that... Most people don't understand the brain is not here to make you feel satisfied. It's, it's here. It's all about survival, right? Yeah. It's about making you feel comfortable, right? Yeah. And yeah. somebody once said that the brain is not here to make you successful because you know if you to become successful, you have to get out, out of your comfort zone. So you basically have to go against what your brain is doing, which is keeping you comfortable in survival mode. So it's a it's okay. getting past your comfort zone is 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 why. Most people find it hard to become successful. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so well said, Thomas. Uh, I really like that. You know, the, uh, my, my favorite example of what you're talking about is that um, many people develop a, you, you know, the, so much of how we understand the world is a function of brain patterns of recognition. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't realize this, but you know, if I hold this up, this little mechanical pencil, I show this to you and you see a mechanical pencil yep. and you think this is a mechanical pencil. But if I take this thing and I drop it from an airplane into an indigenous tribe of people that's never seen a writing instrument before, for them, this is not a mechanical pencil. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's not. I don't know what it is for them, but it's not a pencil. So we see things like that and we think we're seeing the object, but what we're seeing is our brain's representation of what mm -hmm. it means. There you go. And so, you know, when you start to develop your sense of yourself over the course of your young life, and that starts to develop around two years of age, a year and a half, two years of age, everything that's happening as you start having thoughts like, oh, that's me, like a smell in the air or a song or colors, that all gets connected in your brain to this representation you have of yourself. Mm, so yep. if you have a failure early on in life, you fail some test or you don't get picked for a team or whatever, and that gets connected in your brain to who you think you are, then when you get into your later years of life, if you start being successful, that will be very uncomfortable for you. Mm, mm, and your brain will try to sabotage that because it doesn't know how to have you survive as a success. It only knows how to have you survive as mm -hmm. a failure because that's how you survived whatever happened when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. So you unwittingly shoot yourself in the foot because your brain, as you said so well, it wants what it knows because yep. that's how it knows how to keep you alive. Exactly. So the exactly. more power you have with how your brain works, the more power you have to design the life that you want. There you go. There you go. So that that's what you mentioned. That's that was more like learn helplessness because it's like yes. certain things we learn and becomes um it becomes impressed. Um, then it becomes so 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 I guess part of us, and that's um, a person association to the personality. So you you. You basically um, express that such such lovely um, in a lovely way. So, I'm I'm so happy that you're able to break down things in a way where people are able to understand. Because most people don't understand what being is, right? They yeah. think what they see is how everyone see life as well. We all have we all look at life through different scope. We we look at things through what we have learned, right? Through our um. I would say through our learn our learning habits, right? And also through our influences, right? And what we see is so so different from what a next person will mm. see in terms of viewership, mm. in terms of perception. Mm. So um and I guess this is why this is why there's just so much conflict in the world because everyone have their own perception of a similar thing, right? They have different perception of that specific yeah. situation or scenario. And yeah. the more we learn to have conversations on that specific matter, the more we could understand each other. That's really a good, I love that you brought that up. And I think uh, it's getting, you know, it's worse than it's ever been from my perspective right now in terms of the disconnect between people and their ability to bridge those gaps of perception. It used to be the case that people would argue and fight over their interpretation of facts. Mm -hmm. They could agree on that this thing, this happened or that happened, but now they're arguing about is it a good thing or a bad thing or should we do it this way or that way? But now people disagree about facts. About everything. It's really <laughs> weird, right? Because facts are not interpretive in nature. They're just something either happened or it didn't. And so we're in a challenging place. But one of the things that I, I challenge myself with and I challenge my clients with this too is human beings don't really have any access to the world the way that it is. 
everything for us is curated by our brains, as you said, through the filter mm. of our past experiences and the meanings that we have made up about life. And there is no other way human beings can experience life. You're just not, you know, unless you have a brain injury, anytime I show this to you, this is going to be a pencil for you. That's just all. That's just, you can't get around it. So I like to live in the question, how does that person see this situation? Mm. That if I saw it that way, I'd think the way they do and I'd act the way they do. I'd be just like them. How do they see it? How do they see me? How do they see themselves? And I live in that question. And when I don't know, I like to ask questions in the conversation so I can understand. Mm. It was Stephen Covey who said, or Franklin Covey, one of the Coveys who said, you know, understand first before seeking to be understood. I think that is the biggest lesson any of us can learn in human relationships because when you understand another person's view, how they see it and the validity of seeing it that way, whether you agree with it or not, it's valid, you know, how they got there, then you can have some compassion and you can work to bridge that gap of perception between where you are and where they are with, with, with some human humaneness with some compassion versus mm. the way most of us do it most of the time, which is arguing about who's right and who's wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. You're like, Oh my gosh, I see it now. You're right. Oh my gosh. I'm wrong. Thank you for letting me know. I mean, that just rarely happens. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. <laughs> like I said, so argument is basically just waste of energy in my opinion, for the most part, you know, because it's just bickering yeah. going back and forth, you know? So, um, if someone were looking for a coach, what traits would you advise for them to look for? Uh, that you've got to find some, a couple things. First of all, you've got to find someone who you have the de enough depth of relationship with, you know, in just getting to know them initially that you can uh, be vulnerable with them and you trust them. That is so critical because coaches are only good insofar as they can help you see your own blind spots. And seeing a blind spot takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to look and see something about yourself that's hidden from you. So one thing is you gotta feel comfortable and trust them. The second thing is there's gotta be some connection between you know, where you're trying to go and their experience, some. So like for example, um, I don't do consulting. And I don't do consulting kind of work because there's so many types of companies and industries I've never worked in where consulting is about telling people best ways to do things and best practices and systems. And I just don't have that experience in a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. So I, if someone came to me to consult them in their business, that would be a mistake. But I've, I've been a leader of many organizations and I've trained other leaders. So I have a lot of experience in the domains of leadership and management that I can bring to coaching someone in their leadership. Okay. So you want to look for some connection or experience that person. And that doesn't mean, you know, if I've never been a CFO that I can't coach a CFO, I can coach a CFO, but I'm not going to train them in finances. <laughs> I'm going to train them in people. Yeah. I'm going to train them in leadership. So there's got to be that connection there. Got it. Got it. Okay. You're absolutely right. You know, those are great, great um, points. So, um, Andrew, what drives you? Oh gosh. What drives me? Yeah. As a person, as a person, that have been in this coaching game for such a long time, you know, a father, you know, a leader, you know, what drives you when you wake up in the morning, what helps yeah. to propel you to the next level? I, I think I'm going to answer your question in a bit of a roundabout way, Thomas, because sure. I, I think, you know, I used to be driven 
by um, a need to feel like my life meant something. So there was like a selfishness to it. Um, you know, it was about me and coaching or helping people was a way I, I made myself feel like my life had meaning. And that was something I had to work through as a person in my early years in this, in this gig. As I've done this for longer and longer and worked with more and more people and kind of seen things repeat and kind of go through like the, the phases of, oh gosh, you know, I'm doing this today because that's what I did yesterday and working through kind of the phases of, of one's career when you stay with something long enough. Now, what I have for myself is literally a created purpose. Mm, okay. And I, I think it drives me, but it doesn't drive me like hunger for food or like that thing I was trying to do before, like fill a hole. It drives me like a matter of my own integrity. Like I have said what I came to this life to do as a matter of my own integrity. And it is honoring that agreement with myself and the higher power that I connect with my, you know, my own way that drives me is to bring real integrity to what I said I was going to do by coming here. And so now what I would say drives me is that agreement I have with myself and a higher power about what I'll be useful for. Mm -hmm. And that really is about this thing I said earlier about people being connected to who they really are and the ability that they have through being themselves to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I want to say one more thing about that that I missed before, which is the other thing about that that's important to me is that that's the way it was meant to be. You know, if you look at the hundreds of thousands of years of our evolution, the only way we got to be the way we are was in community with each other. Yes, indeed. The way we worked through hardship was in community. The way we celebrated victorious battles out in war was in community. Everything we did was in community with each other. Today, we live much more separate, fractured lives, many of us. And so restoring that connection with people and themselves and others for me is really important, you know, and, and that's what turns me on. That's what I'm here to do. Okay, there you go. There you go. That's awesome right there. So, um... Let's dive into storytelling time, right? Cool. I want you to share with us a one to two minute um, story where you were able to use your coaching structure and philosophy to transform one of the client's life or help get them over a hurdle. Cool. Uh, you know, I think um, the, the, the one story that comes to mind is I have a client who's a chiropractor. Okay. And his his struggle when he came to me for sales training, his struggle was, and this is the struggle for many professionals in healthcare spaces like massage therapists and acupuncturists, they're so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But where they really struggle is in communicating the value of what they do <laughs> and and standing for it. Mm-hmm. And so this particular client came to me because whenever uh, a potential client of his would come back to him with like, I can't afford that, or I don't have enough time to do the treatments or whatever, he would buckle. Or on the other hand, he would push to get forceful. And either mm-hmm. way, the client wouldn't wind up working with him. And then he could never make the difference he wanted to make. So one of the things that we did for him was that shift you and I talked about earlier of shifting his attention from how am I doing? And what do I need to say to get them to to buy to, well, how are they doing? You know, I had him get, what is it like to be someone who's a parent, whose back hurts all the time, who is constantly distracted from what they're doing by pain, and who thinks that the only thing that matters 
in this life is that they're constantly taking care of other people. So they can't take the time or the money to get the care that they need because in their world, they're supposed to be taking care of everyone else and they're not supposed to need anything. What's it like for that person to go through their life like that? And when he started to get that his job in those conversations was to serve those people, to have the life that they really wanted, one where they got served and their kids got served, that it wasn't an either or scenario and they just didn't see how that could be possible. He got all of his attention off of himself and he started asking people the right kind of questions like, mm -hmm. well, what do you think that's like for you? What do you think it's like for your kids to watch you be in pain all the time and not feel like they can do anything about that? What do you think that's like? And in those conversations, he was able to empower those people to have the life they wanted, including getting their family support for their care or their company's support for the time off they needed to see the doctor or their partner's support in spending the money so that everybody's winning. And inside of him getting how to empower others, I think his practice grew to 50%, uh, making an extra $10,000 a month now. Okay, okay. Month over month without having to do more marketing or get, you know, just because he's way more effective with people and not just getting them to buy. That's the thing. He <laughs> is being of service to people in those conversations. Yes, indeed. He's serving them while he's quote selling. He's not mm -hmm. manipulating them, cajoling them, using some technique. He's literally asking them, how is your life really going for you? Mm -hmm. Is it working? No. Okay. Well, Let's look at what's stopping you from doing what you could do, have what you wanted. And who doesn't want to be that person in another person's life? I mean, what a cool way to be. So he went and spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get trained to be a chiropractor, but nobody trained him how to be empowering. So that's yeah. what I think. And now he's got all this power, you know, happy patients and a thriving practice. And uh, that's my story. That's what I'm going to do. And that's, that's a great story because you, you're absolutely right. There are so many... Um, professionals who are skilled at at what they're good at, right? Their 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 trait, right? Their yeah. um, but when it comes to I guess selling and position themselves to be a guide, they like it because they don't learn that. Yeah. You know? Even they after I graduated college, I didn't I didn't know how to be a businessman. So I had to fill plenty of times and learn from my mistakes and get coaching, etc. Yeah. You know? So this is why it's important to work with a coach, people, everyone that's listening. Open up the ears. This is why it's important to work with a coach, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that that was a great story right there. So, th thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. So, what are you currently working on? Um, are you working on any new projects, any new books uh, that you could share with us? I am working on a book with one okay. of my another client who's also a chiropractor. The working title of the book is "It's Not About the Spine." Mm, okay. Uh, and the focus of the book is, I, it's probably going to go beyond chiropractors, but right now we're, we're kind of, you know, thinking about that all the time, but it's about what we were just talking about. It's about how do you have, how do you take on the ways of being mm -hmm. acting and interacting that allow you to empower people to do what they need to do to have what they say they want. So it's about filling that skill gap that you just talked about um, uh, between being able to do a technical thing like train someone in the gym or you know massage how do you, how do you build the skills to be able to empower other people to commit to what they need to commit to to get where they want to go because without that piece you can't do the other piece 
So it's that's a book we're going to be putting out in I don't know how long this is going to take. We just started writing the book about a month and a half ago. Oh, you started. So we're, we're, we're deep into it. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then my uh, my business partner Janet Zaretsky, who you've also interviewed, and I yeah, are um, are looking at starting a a European division to our company. So that's another project Ooh. we're working on. Okay, okay. You got you guys are busy. Got our hands full. Europe. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Listen, once you're done with the book, let me know, man. I'd love to um you know share that and just push it out there so others can understand that this is a service you need. This is a skill set that you need in order for you to get to the next step. And it's it's something that they could add to whatever they're working on because everyone needs to better themselves and be um not not only um better as at sales, but better at communicating what, what they um have to offer. Yeah. Know? And that's even for myself, I had to work on that and work on it and work on it. You know, yep. so it's not yep. something that, like I said, it's not something I learned in college. I mean, yeah. Most of the yeah. people don't teach that. <laughs> yeah. That's too bad too, because it's such an important skill. And I'm like you, I'm, you know, I've been in sales for 25 years. I'm still working on it and working on it and working yeah. on it. Um, yeah. And I, I, what I find Thomas about what, what I like about what you said is that I think, you know, at least in America, we all, we tend to view sales in a pretty negative light. Yeah. <laughs> we do it like it's somehow. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like if you're like if you're a salesman, that's not a good thing to be called in America, typically, typically. Mm -hmm. And uh people view it like being um, you know, selfish but pretending you're not, yeah. like pulling the wool over someone's eyes or being manipulative or being able to get people to do what you want them to do and all that stuff. And yeah, some people sell that way, but there's an opportunity to have sales conversations really be of service to others. And not because they bought from you and got something worthwhile, literally in the sales conversation to serve people, whether they buy from you or not. And that's the kind of salesmanship that I promote because I feel like it lets people be themselves because people do want to be of service and they want to be fully transparent about what they're doing. And so that's what I'm standing for in the world of sales is that that's what sales can become for us as a way to serve each other. Yes, indeed. Um, and keep keep pushing toward that direction because we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Andrew, it has been a pleasure having this conversation. Normally, I keep this podcast about 20, 25 minutes. It's almost 40 minutes. Oh, really? Wow. This conversation, you know. Um, so last but not least, how may I serve you? Well, Thomas, I, you know, to be honest, I really feel like you have because sometimes I don't even know what matters to me until I talk about it with another person. So I feel like the conversation we had today really made a big difference for me in understanding myself better. Mm -hmm. uh, and that gives me some insight into who you are. You know, when I get to know myself better out of being with someone, I know I'm with someone who's really listening and someone who really cares. So I want to really appreciate you for the way you've developed yourself to be that kind of person who can listen. Thank you. Thank you. And I will continue to work on that. Great. It was great to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity. Now you're very welcome. So thanks again for coming on. And I would like to thank all our listeners and viewers for letting us your ears and your eyeballs <clears throat> and make sure to tune in to next episode and stay true to yourself. One love. Take care. <laughs>